Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. For all the youngsters who are listening to this, uh, never uh, get scared of experimenting. Uh, never get scared of uh, moving beyond the boundaries. Because only when you move, move beyond the boundaries, magic happens. This is episode number four of the Akyan podcast with Chetan Shivprasad. Hey guys, welcome to the Akyan podcast, the podcast all about architecture and architects in India. My name is Manish and I'm the host of this show. On today's episode, we talk to Chetan Shivprasad, who's a Bangalore-based architect and who has been practicing for the past 25 years. He heads a firm called Calm Design Studio, where they not only just practice architecture but they explore various dimensions of design. He's also a big pioneer in teaching architecture where he has been teaching for the past 20 years all across India in various institutes and has inspired a lot of young architecture students. The topics we talk about today is architectural education in India, design workshops as a tool for teaching and a lot more. So guys, if you like this episode, please do give us a rating and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening from, be it iTunes, Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify. And also, if you want the info of what Chetan Sir spoke about today, check out our website at akyan.com and the show notes is available at akyan.com slash 04. Now, without further ado, let's get right to it. Before we get to the architecture part, uh, tell us about your background. How did you get into architecture? Was it something you always wanted to do as a kid? Okay. Um, no, architecture for me was, was something which was introduced to me during college. Oh yeah, okay. During architecture college. <laughs> so, um, I didn't get into architecture because I wanted to get into architecture. Um, it, it was a blessing in disguise. Um, I happened to sleep in my second semester chemistry examination, <laughs> which didn't uh, give me enough marks to get into medicine or any of the other engineering courses. <laughs> That apart, I think um, um, it's been a brilliant um, experience post joining architecture. Uh, but i think uh, um, my bringing where we talked about uh, theater um, i was an ekshagana dancer so uh, these are things which kind of imbibed certain pattern making within myself and that somewhere uh, luckily um, matched with the profession which i chose uh, or which i got into um, so architecture somewhere has been an extension of my earlier self okay uh, even though it was not conscious So that's that's a brief journey of what happened on why I joined architecture. So it it so happened that I did um, actually um, six months of um, um, CBZ, BSc in CBZ. Okay. And then another three months of uh, civil engineering, and then got into architecture. Oh, is it okay? So <laughs> that's been the journey of architecture. And then it's been five years of. Brilliant. So how was it studying architecture back in the days? Give us a small uh, brief about uh, um, how architecture education was back in the day. Luckily, I was the 
I was the batch where uh, I was the last batch into the annual scheme. So we okay. didn't have exams every fourth and This was Dhanan Sagar. This was in Dhanan Sagar College okay. in Bangalore University. We were the last batch of uh, architects who who went through the annual scheme. Uh, so it was more about being exposed for the whole year and then uh, you you're not in a rush. Right. You're not in a rush to uh, just uh, get an examination mode every two months or three months. So there was no dash to do something but um with us uh, since we were always involved with uh, learning new things or exploring with architects i happened to travel a lot right from my day one oh wow so um nasa suddenly became a very important thing for me national okay. association of students of architecture um so you always part of the nasa i was ha- i was an active participant of nasa oh brilliant in fact i was on the advisory board for almost 5 uh, to 6 years after my course oh wow okay i was i i realized that uh, nasa was putting in a lot of documentations so i started the nasa information and documentation center way back in i think 94 or so wow okay so and i used to travel a lot so um architectural education for me was uh, was actually nasa was actually meeting people was actually traveling uh, was actually looking at things outside the classroom scenario right and uh, then it was since it was an annual scheme um, you get to interact with seniors juniors work on their projects wow so i managed to work with close to around 10 architectural theses before i did oh my thesis oh my god so your thesis must have been a killer and when i did my thesis <laughs> uh, my thesis uh, we had close to around 35 inter- juniors um, from all over bangalore okay. who were working on us we have we had taken up a chowtree hall for my thesis oh, wow okay and it was like one activity space for the, for almost 3 months where everybody used to come day and night uh, we used to do a lot of things for my thesis so what is the topic the topic was very kind of huge it was to define what is a cube oh wow <laughs> so, so it was like fun um, because we we were we were dialoguing on um, the symbolism of cube right from geometry to philosophy that was pretty advanced for that time right <laughs> it, it was it was fun it was uh, it was actually interesting and then you know, because at the end you had to design a build form for a bachelor's degree program which is which i which is fair right we ended up designing a um, luxury home uh, in the suburbs okay. of bangalore now it's in the center of bangalore okay um yeah but we did that we we looked at uh, addi- additive cubes subtractive cubes we played around with hmm. form Uh, material was suddenly introduced to me so we started looking at what material works how with what kind of a cube mm. so it was it was fun it was uh, it was learning through peers it was uh, sharing with peers it was uh, sharing with your juniors Absolutely. seniors it was fun so post architecture you started working with uh, jaysam sir is it uh, during architecture during uh, architecture during architecture when it happened that um, I was working on uh, one of my friends from BMS uh, his thesis. Okay. Uh, it was all hand drawn at that point of yeah. time. So he was de- designing a revamping of uh, the uh, Mumbai Central uh, railway, railway station. station. Okay. And then I was uh, I had taken up the job of uh, um, drawing the orthogra- orthographic oh, okay. projection <laughs> of a, of a dissected uh, oh my uh, god and so even it, the building is very huge. ornamental it was huge it was like almost 5 days of continuous drawing wow. on the drawing board 
um, so it was fun. And when I was working there, uh, just opposite there was this lovely building. Okay. Uh, beautiful building. Uh, very, very grounded. So just walked inside, fell in love with that space, uh, just found out who's the architect, went to his office the next day and mm. said, I just visited this house um, and I, I would like to work with you. Um, somewhere, Jaisim uh, was some person who who always took a lot of time to select, especially boys, because he felt cool. that they were not um, doing the right thing with when, when pe- people joined them for okay. internship. They're not committed enough. But suddenly, I don't know why, but he said, come over from tomorrow. Okay, awesome. So it happened, and uh, you want, should I share the experience? Yeah, sure, sure, go ahead. I'm sure all our listeners are eagerly waiting to listen to this. Uh, so when I went in the next day, I think um, he asked me a simple question. He said, uh, what are you good at? Okay. I said, uh, I'm good at um, um, perspectives, mm. orthographic projections, and I love models. I mm. love to do work with models. So then he said, let's let's do a model. So he asked me, what all does do you want mm. for doing a model? And he said, uh, I need the drawings and uh, I need the materials for constructing okay. the model. So he just took out a sheet of, uh, uh, what do you call, a postal cover and just drew uh, around 10 lines on that okay. and said, this is your drawing. This is your plan and this is the section of how I want this place to be. Hmm. And it's for you to design this place. And uh, the area was a lakh square feet. Okay. <laughs> and that's where it started off. And for the next six months of my internship, uh, we had a six-month internship. For the next six months of my internship, I just uh, worked on that model from clay uh, to mount board then to glass um, we were talking about structural glazing way back in 1994 wow. 93-94 uh, where we were talking about um, floating slabs we were talking about uh, um, bridging uh, blocks somewhere around 45 feet above so this like was that. a very conceptual uh, highly conceptual but it started off the whole design happened on the model right um, I remember him telling then uh, to the client saying that uh, if I walk out of the project or if uh, you know if there's a challenge in me working on this project Chetan is the person <laughs> you need to go to awesome it was so much of fun because at the end of the day when I went back to the jury hmm. I had four photographs okay and absolutely no drawings to take with me okay <laughs> could be some line sketches right but when I went back and I explained my whole experience of working with him I think uh, the juror was like, I think you've learned the best out of the whole whole crowd. Because wow, brilliant. The kind of experience you do uh, in terms of um, understanding how that space works, leaving that space. Right. So you're talking about how a person walks inside, what happens at different levels, hmm. how do you read massing. Hmm. You're talking actual architectural philosophy at hmm. a fourth year level, which was, was quite intense for me at that point of time, being especially from the first batch uh, of the college so you don't have seniors from your own college you're looking at other college students but Jaisim has been a mentor from then on um, continued working with him post that uh, post my internship mm. uh, in the firm for some time and then when I started my my own practice in 98 continued to be working with him as an associate oh, even till date we're doing um, you know, 
he hands me some projects and says let's work together on this so let me backtrack so jaisim sir was only one of uh, your bosses or you had like uh, no i think jaisim has been uh, okay uh, my only boss uh, as a as an architectural practice yes okay uh, but uh, in terms of architectural mentoring i would i would definitely say kanade um, uh, brothers shankar navnath both of them all these uh, were your faculty they were in my faculties they were architects practicing so i used to go stay in the buildings they were building oh wow okay um, literally sleep over in their in the under construction buildings so the keremene was being built at that point of time which is a brilliant piece of architecture great so uh, so you kind of lived in that space when it was being built understood systems of construction then you were you, know, you you were interacting with architects like padulkar late padulkar hmm. you were talking you were having interactions with architects like mohe sanjay mohe hmm. they were all kind of very involved they were at its at their peak at that point of time um especially exploring new thoughts they were sharing it with fellow architects there was a consortium of group of architects sitting down every other day they would get themselves a mug of beer and give me a brilliant um, a glass of badam milk or something <laughs> to drink so okay. so that's how i think uh, they've all been mentors to me they've all, all right. been amazing mentors so when did you uh, decide to start calm uh, design like was it something you wanted to do like you uh, start on your own yes i, I think uh, 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 come for me as a very has been a very very important uh, sound or a word or mm. a me, or or a philosophy because i think a lot of thing for me is evolving from that sound right um um actually it's it i came across that word when i was doing my thesis uh when i was studying um, a presentation uh, uh, of an exhibition done by spa delhi okay they had done an exhibition called come and when i went through that whole document i think uh, this it, was in it, bangalore the exhibition no this was i i haven't seen that exhibition okay okay i saw the document of that exhibition right, right. i think the exhibition was done could might be around late 80s or okay. early 90s i don't remember but uh, kam uh, is a sanskrit seed word or a bijakshar hmm. which means concepts of space hmm. and uh, especially when i was looking working with jaisim i was working on a very uh, um an idea centric uh, uh, thought process right. an idea centric a material centric thought process and i was staying in a house uh, uh, um, with my mentors from college pu college uh, sridhar and other people uh, you are anand murthy and all who are more leftist in thinking okay so you are talking about uh, people centric hmm. so at that point of time somewhere i could relate that to bring in a language which is very indian Uh, right. i need to understand what is a space which india can re- relate to mm. uh, and somewhere i could see that happening in jaisim's work mm. and um, that strength of uh, pushing a material beyond its comfort zone uh, what we do as uh, regular indians as um, jumlas what okay jugad jugads yeah <laughs> uh, to push the material to that jugad level and okay. to see that work and to see that function in a much beautiful level bring in aesthetics to that somewhere it tied me up there so i think somewhere i wanted a, a word to be rooted in indian uh, mm. philosophy so i said i took this word called kam it's a bijakshar which somewhere symbolically is as powerful as sound as om uh, it means concepts of space uh, for example uh, sukham and dukham are emotions a space of emotions 
and it also meets uh, means uh, in many ways it means uh, a space which is left out, left behind a speeding bullet or a speeding arrow okay. so you kind of get into that um, space which can't be defined right uh, um, and somewhere if i can create an architecture which or an or, or a space which can be experienced and uh, you know which need not be defined by certain logistics I've done justice to. Uh, that's where I think uh, "come" became a very important word for me, and that's when I decided. When I decided to start my practice, I had a talk with Jai Singh, and he said, "You should." Uh, so this was after uh, five years. This was uh, no working with Jai Singh. No, no, no. I I think I worked with him for a year and a half. Okay. Uh, after my college days, and then started my practice somewhere in '98. Um, oh, great! November '98. We're now 20 years. This. Uh, Uh, this November. Uh, that's when we started off, and it it was a tough journey when we started off. Uh, you're trying to break rules, and when you start off, I didn't want to go the um, the path which was comfortable. So we questioned every notion which was put across to us. Um, the first uh, uh, experimental vault I did, which was a very small vault, didn't succeed, and then we went on to build that vault at a larger scale. This was a wall, is it? Vault, vault, a okay, brick vault. Okay. We went on to build a much larger vault. Oh uh, wow! Okay. To the same project, so you question a lot of things. You you you, know, you understand systems, and you start working with materials. So that happened. I think, uh, 98. I started my practice. Uh, I think I built my first house in somewhere around uh, 99. Oh great! Ninety-nine or early two. But how did you manage the funding and all that so fast, right? One year. Somehow, I mean, uh, I was I was a privileged guy to be staying in a ancestral house. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I didn't have to worry about food, kapda or makan for some time. And uh, yeah, we didn't have except other than my travel, my love for travel. I didn't. I don't think I had too much expenditure. I didn't have a girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah. um then 2000 onwards has been has been a nice journey where we so when you started it was only you or uh, did you have other people uh, as we well we had right? two more guys who joined me um, but i think they stayed around for a year okay we did, uh, no they were there for two years until we started off uh, the first project this and we did a few small interior all these were residential and interior interiors. yeah okay and then i think they they left we okay. we mutually uh, separated with amazing friends today okay amazing friends but uh, only one of them is an architect the other one is moved away from architecture oh is it okay uh, then it was it was me alone and, and what kind of work uh, is it is it uh, mostly residential and uh, what we are doing right now yeah or you can start from uh, back then as well did you have a certain notion in mind that you wanted to do this kind of architecture which was more sustainability and you know rooted to the ground compared to commercial spaces and big buildings look to be truly sustainable you can't build okay so i think uh, sustainability as a word is a farce word okay to be conscious of what you're doing is more important right you if you're conscious that you're harming something by doing something that's the first step and that has always been the approach towards design for us um I don't think our practice is sustainable architecture, hmm. green architecture or blue architecture, whatever. Hmm.
but i think it's it's conscious to what we are doing you know uh, we try and see that can we minimize concrete can okay, we great. can we can we bring in good quality light can we bring in theater of light into the space can we uh, can we understand structural systems much better these kind of queries has been constant in our projects and it's escalating in each project in which we do so we try and push a material beyond say for example one material we've been able to manage to do it do a foundation to a roof to a door to a window oh, great. to a wall okay. um, at today, which material is this huh pardon which material no clay as a material if okay. i'm really looking at clay as a material we've pushed it to all the levels okay. um we've pushed we've used uh, cycle rims as window grills wow we've used we use beer bottle we okay. use pots we use and you bring in beauty into it so today i don't think this i mean we are not stuck to any material today okay but we are conscious i think our next future would also be dealing with uh, looking at how do we why do we generate so much of waste and uh, can we look at waste being resource okay and that that will become the next uh, the language which we want to do um which we want to practice we've been we've been doing that for quite some time now already mm. but yeah that's that's one paradigm we are looking at and where do you see calm design uh, going the future what are your goals for uh, calm design as a studio and practice no i think uh, even when we when i wrote down uh, the note of what calm design means to me when we started off i started off with a small note of um, what calm should mean to me and then we said uh, calm should stand at uh, creating various nuances of space making so i don't look at it only in terms of making uh, buildings okay we've done installations uh, we are trying to work with uh, music we are trying to work with theater fascinating we are trying to look at uh, film making so i think all of these are different expressions of space making um so all this and education Uh, education Absolutely. is an important uh, aspect of what we are exploring now so come i think is will evolve um, it's it's on a constant uh, evolution path of uh, trying to explore uh, a certain known language break that language and rearrange that language to something else beautiful and that process continues it's uh, i don't see it as a as reaching a particular level and then going straight right. i just looking uh, looking at it as a series of loops going up great so you've been a big time uh, you know uh, pioneer in architectural education you taught me personally when uh, i was studying school of planning and architecture vijayawada right so how did you get into teaching architecture was it a i'm sure it's a big passion of yours but when did you start and why did you uh, decide to start teaching a lot of peer students in india Okay it so happened I was I was in my third year architecture okay and um, I was quite active I was trying to explore various ways of drawing perspectives mm-hmm. and axonometrics and uh, I talked to my professor at that point of time and said can I take the first year class <laughs> that's where I started off okay. and I think uh, I've been constantly teaching or, or rather exploring with the students from that time when nice. working with them um so from my third year of college i've been teaching if that answers your question <laughs> that's brilliant <laughs> so now almost yeah for 25 years of teaching experience and 20 years of practice okay great so you've started this uh, initiative called humpy center of design right can you elaborate uh, more about what this is about 
Okay, it so happened that uh, in uh, 2000, if I'm right, or, or rather, uh, yeah, 2000, uh, 2000, 2001, okay. we did a first project in uh, Hospet, hmm. which was around 10 kilometers from Hampi. And I've been constantly doing few projects in that belt, looking okay. at climate responsive architecture. Uh, Hampi always fascinated me. Uh, not not because of the ruins, but because of the stories the ruins set, uh, and because of the way the composition of the rocks behaved and the light patterns on them. If you've seen some of our uh, pictures which I post on Facebook where I conduct my workshops mm. there, they're all in the ruins. They're all among the rocks. They're all um, you know, interacting. The, the kids interact with the rocks. Okay. So I personally feel that education somewhere has to move beyond a drawing tool uh, because I think we, today we are depending too much on a tool and defining that as architectural right, education. Right. Can we go beyond and can we start looking at uh, people and rea and relationships with other people or with natural elements? And can we address that? So, uh, which was a paradigm shift in the way we, I was looking at architectural pedagogy. Um, somewhere we've been successful in certain of our studios where we started looking at, I mean, because of the constraints of the school and the school uh, and the thinking process, um, the pedagogy is restrictive to a classroom learning. So we said, uh, can I create a hub for design dialogue? Right. Uh, the design dialogue uh, hub, uh, we're working on setting up at Humpy, which will house uh, uh, a school of design, a school of architecture, um, a residency program for artists to come and stay there. Oh, brilliant. And uh, say, so I'm just looking at, uh, we create a residency for around 10 artists to come and stay there, assuming. And we're getting, Humpy being on the bucket list of every artist. Yeah. And travelers as well. Travelers. So I'll get, I'm sure I'll get 10 artists or architects from across the um, world yeah. to come and stay there at any given point of time. So in a year approximately, I get 100 people who can, who can guide, who can give different perspectives to the students of architecture at that point of time. In that in that campus, we're doing. Uh, we realize that um, um, design is taken out from common man because craft is being killed. Um, um, practices are slowly dying, uh, thanks to literacy movement. Uh, literacy movement had a good thought process, but the, it backfired on the killing of craft, mm. killing of uh, certain practices. So we said theater is one such major thing. So we we want to revive by having Hunimaba or a full moon night festival where you have theater, you have musical performance, you have street plays. You call the whole uh, nearby villages to participate. So you're not talking about just uh, a school of architecture yes. and educating only a set of students who come and pay fees and learn there, but you're talking about bringing in a design awareness among public, among artists, among architects, among we're now doing a lot of uh, uh, d inspired design workshops okay. where we're looking at uh, different thought processes of design. Hmm. So we've had workshops on uh, lightweight structures. We've hmm. worked, had workshops on how do I fold paper and hmm. look at uh, new compass, new form find finding. We've done uh, workshops on uh, density. We've had workshop on how do I look at nature, get inspired through nature and uh, um, address things. We're working on a um, workshop on uh, how do I look at films, appreciate mm. film, mm. and then take it on to design. 
Um, so we're looking at various things which can inspire a, a designer. Okay. And then we're doing workshops on that. So this is in uh, relation with the universities as well, or is it just the uh, at the moment we have kept it open for everybody. Okay. Uh, we we're looking at uh, these activities open to everybody. Okay. Uh, we we explored traveling. Uh, um, uh, we said, can we organize tours for architects and students of architecture together to see works of Bava or see works of Ando? We had we took a few group of people there, highly focused because when you're going with a professional, yes, uh, professional team of st of students and architects together to see Ando um, Ando's work, and you come back in the evening and sit down and discuss different perspectives of looking at the same thing. Absolutely. So architectural travel becomes much more intense. So we explored that. That's also a way of learning. So all these are verticals or I would say nodes which we are looking at in Humpy Center of Design, which will activate design thinking processes, which could bring in a change in the way we, we mm. address design in the future. Um, we might be talking about futuristic materials down the line. We might be talking about building in the Mars uh, down the line. <laughs> okay. Because we, we've kind of, um, sorry to use the word, but we have kind of um, <laughs> earth. <laughs> right? Uh, somewhere, if I'm looking at the United Nations uh, report on uh, the footprint uh, uh, we have overshot our footprints by almost uh, 1.7 times. Mm. Today we are consuming resources as if we have 1.7 Earths. So you as an architect is very worried about what's going to come in the future, right? If we go in Definitely, yeah. definitely, right? Aren't we? I mean, aren't yes. we responsible for it? Absolutely. That's where I say, even though um, I wouldn't say I will, I will I'll be able to build a building which can destroy itself mm. and become food for another process right now. But I'm conscious that in the future, I'll have to design a building which can destroy itself after its use and become food for another person. <laughs> That's a great uh, It needs concept, to be. Yeah. It needs to be. No? Otherwise, you're just creating more waste. Hmm. Uh, earlier, our forefathers were talking about 200-year-old buildings or 300-year-old buildings. Hmm. Um, today, I can't think of a place where people would want to live in the same space 30 years down the line. Yeah, absolutely. So lifespan of a built form is coming down. But what yes. is the kind of materials you're using to build it? Mm. What is the kind of consumption? I mean, for one of our projects, they dug a bore last week. Mm. They had to go down 1,300 feet mm. for an inch of water. And what they got a water. They did, but one and a half thousand feet. <laughs> Whereas if you're looking at uh, your perennial water storage, mm. the moment you had dug a well for 20 feet, you would have got perennial water. Yes. But that mindset is so st stuck up. But at least I'm conscious. I'm conscious and I'm educating my clients to do something. Yes. Uh, I think that, that is uh, very important as architects right. that we educate our clients and... Slowly, I don't know. As we move forward, as come move forwards or HCD moves forwards, I think somewhere I would love to design a building which can destroy itself after its life. <laughs> and it becomes food for another process. It can become another building material or it can become... Um, an organic I think that will become definitely a thesis project like someone who listens to this right? love to. <laughs> love. we're doing in fact we're doing a design chair where we'll be supporting uh, theses which will take up uh, projects um, based on those design chairs hmm. we're working on the lightweight structures we're working on nature inspired design and uh, paper workshop paper activities so if any student are doing research on that we are looking at uh, supporting them technically. We are looking at supporting them financially through HCD. Okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, 
when we're looking at nature inspired design definitely yeah sh- i'm sure a building which can kill itself <laughs> yeah. after its lifespan is something if somebody can work <laughs> on it excellent yes so let's uh, now you spoke about the humpy center of design which is ab- absolutely a great idea but let's talk architectural education in india um, you know my personal opinion is that it's not in par with the uh, the rest of the world in terms of quality and uh, the kind of education that is imparted uh, to a lot of architecture students so you as a big uh, you mean you travel to a lot of uh, states and you teach in a lot of institutes what is your uh, take on architectural education in india uh, now there's been a lot of um, hue and cry of the number of colleges which have cropped up hmm. in the last few years around 500 uh, so far i guess plus i'm not yes, sure yes we have got 500 uh, schools of architecture today is that needed hi yes. yes we need more for the simple reason is that uh, less than half a person or one person of our projects in india hmm. are built by architects oh my god <laughs> so if you if you don't have the numbers hmm. you have just an act which says only an architect can build hmm. you don't have the numbers to prove it hmm. uh, on my road where i have an office here architectural firm here we've had close to 10 pro- 10 um, buildings which were built here and none of them had an architect hmm. right so i think the profession needs numbers there would be a lull for some time because of the quality of education those kids will get but i i'm sure i mean i'm i'm sure that uh, everybody who studied uh, architecture uh, won't end up being a, a lee corbusier or a frank lloyd wright mm. or a, or an ando or or somebody but yeah there would be certain um, fires which are lit by them which can evolve good architecture but as a profession you need numbers um, but yes there are there is a big challenge in the way we are looking at architecture today i'm i'm not too happy with the way we were uh, we've got back physics and chemistry as a requirement to get in architecture yes because i think uh, arts literature philosophy psychology is equally important for an architect yes um, as important as we see physics or chemistry so that basically says that an engineer who is bored about studying engineering he jumps into architecture just for the sake of it okay i'm bored of you know doing physics chemistry i'll do a little if uh, whereas if you had literature students and philosophy students yeah you had that till last year where the for somebody taking up nata hmm. uh the aptitude test you need not have physics or chemistry you need you wanted to have only mathematics Maths, as a compulsory okay. subject so you had people from the commerce stream joining architecture hmm. you had people from arts team joining architecture you had people from architect uh, from science team joining architecture and different perspectives happen hmm. i think that uh, i personally feel is, is to be bought back so that you have a different uh, uh, thought process addressed to architecture and the other important thing uh, which is the problem with education as a whole is uh, uh, is interlinking of of disciplines disciplines yeah. if i can do a design studio along with psychology as a subject i am sure i'll become a better architect hmm. uh, then um, then some other subjects which is already being taught hmm. you need a certain uh, subjects which needs to be a core of the of the profession and you need to allow the students to look at various other aspects can we look at any architect uh, architectural expressions today which are bold enough and saying that this is the political system of our country 
and this is where my building speaks about it we're not bringing politics into our architecture mm. and architecture is an amazing expression of politics throughout the ages yes uh, we had vidhan sabha which was being built in bangalore um, post independence built as a palace and across we had uh, uh charles curia's uh, towers which was more of a statement of democracy hmm. um and now they've made a mockery of vidhan sabha by building vidhan sabhas all over the state yeah, okay. which is kind of uh, i mean frankly stupidity yeah. <laughs> uh, now you need poli- you need a political um you know statement from an architect hmm. to stop the politics of building vidhan sabhas across the country Yeah, I think there should be more architects as politicians as well, right? But we are not teaching teaching politics. Yeah, <laughs> we are not teaching politics. We are not teaching psychology. We are not talking about anthropology. Hmm. Uh, architecture is one of the most anthropocentric professions because we build for men, hmm. for for human beings. But we are not taught taught anthropo uh, yes. anthropology. Those are things which we need to build into our system. That's that's the need of the hour. tell us more about the power of uh, design workshops you know uh, i th- i feel because last uh, episode we had uh, sushant verma where he spoke about how design workshop as a tool is transforming architectural education so uh, how do you feel uh, workshops as a tool can help uh, you know um yes i think um, uh, amazing work uh, sushant has been doing with rat labs um workshops are very critical for uh, a growth of a kid hmm. but i think that's where you find people asking us to do more workshops uh, because they would want to have a different approach towards looking at design um both hands on because uh, the school actually doesn't does very little with hands on or, or things like that uh, the system i'm hmm. not blaming any particular school but uh, the system um does not give them too much of the that opening so workshops allow that opening to happen for the kids mm. um say for example if i'm looking at uh, poetry reading and architecture together as a piece as a activity for a workshop mm. that dif- that takes them on a different uh, uh no tangent uh, tangent and that can come out with a beautiful design solution mm. so i think uh, workshops activities uh, dialogues film shows film appreciation activities there are all things which are required a, a student has to be exposed to a lot of zones of uh, learning hmm. and not enclosed to only a, a classroom but how do we bring that change uh, like lot of institutes they they're just behind money right uh, architecture is big time uh, market now uh, yeah architectural education so uh, what steps can we take to i know i mean uh, there them i think uh, i would rather say that there's three levels of doing it okay one is at the political or the decision making mm. level on how do you uh, bring in a uh, uh, transformation in education mm. at the political level <laughs> at okay. a policy level mm. the second level is with institutions and uh, universities of uh, how can i open up because a university is a, is a is a group of institutions offering various learning curves hmm. so how do i integrate and use that university as a learning curve for various disciplines hmm. then you're opening up an architecture student to do a vertical on uh, on criminal investigation yes 
they could do a course on psychology they could do a course on sociology mm. they could do a course on uh, um on projects mm. on on mechanics so you're opening up different tangents yes. that's the second level third level is set up many more hampi center of design <laughs> okay <laughs> great <sir. laughs> awesome and uh, what's your take on technology in architecture now there's ai and uh, machine learning so in the future do you feel like you'll be working in uh, with a robot sitting next to you <laughs> designing stuff or uh? i i hope my <laughs> friend i i really <laughs> hope i think uh, yeah technology always is 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 an amazing uh, tangent okay uh, yeah the way we would look at design in the coming days might be very different hmm uh might not be anthropocentric in many places mm. might be more um, logic centric or pattern centric mm. uh, which an ai is mu- is much a better equipped to do than a human brain mm. so um, the human brain can uh, guide the ai to look at it in a particular way and the ai can expand that thought process right into m- uh, so many uh, levels or so many uh, what do you call um, degrees of hmm. exploration i think yeah technology is a, is definitely a welcome and i think uh, that would guide us in the coming years that would that would take over i wouldn't say take over but there would definitely be a support system for design in the coming okay. years okay all right so uh, let's come uh, to the business part of architecture in this uh, episode what advice would you give uh, to young architects who are starting on their own and uh, you know exploring a possibility of uh, getting in more projects and standing on their own feet right o- right after college because you as well you worked with jason sir for a year and a half and then you started on your own right right so do you think that stays hold uh, now as well i i still feel so because i think uh, you would find that with most of the st- interns who come out and mm. say Um, they they do say that the learning which happens inside a studio is much inside a uh, office studio is much higher than their learning in the in the course i disagree on that okay because i think uh, they come back from the studio from their college studios with tools and uh, um, design approaches mm. and they get guided by the by the practice to think in a particular way mm. work in a particular way I think one big learning one big ask for uh, um the youngsters is I would definitely suggest them to work for a few years before starting off on their own mm-hmm. until unless they're very sure about what their um, you know philosophy of uh, design is mm-hmm. otherwise I would definitely ask them to work to just be guided mm-hmm. on how a system works uh unfortunately we are not trained to be businessmen mm-hmm. we are not trained to be office managers it has taken me 20 years to understand that i don't have to spend 15 hours a day or 16 hours a day to design uh, the projects which i'm working on mm. uh, and i don't have to ask my team to work for so many hours to see that a, a project happens mm. uh, at the end of the day i think it's it's about how do you create patterns how do you create processes in place how mm. do you create processes which sometimes should be followed sometimes should be consciously broken Mm. and come out with a new process so to build on those processes okay it could be as simple a thing like uh, how do i name a file on my computer mm. uh, and if i'm spending 20 years of my 
time to try and not put final a a a dot dwg on my file right uh, it's 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 uh, not called for so mm. either you do a program on office management or you join an mm. office for some time and what do you feel uh, about collaboration in architecture do you think that's a good uh, uh, prospect in the future where architects and different firms collaborate collaborate with each other like sushant in the last is- episode he spoke about margins being an issue when you collaborate with different designers and architects on a single project so what is your take on collaboration with ar- different architects okay uh, until unless the the thinking process matches okay collaboration is difficult but uh, i would definitely say uh, design is a very um, um philosophy um bound um d- process hmm. so once philosophy might not match with the um, with the collaborative process hmm. but i i feel the need for collaborations with other sectors hmm. say for example i'm we're working with uh, ullas uh, anand uh, who's a naturalist on how do i look at uh, processes in nature okay and how do i bring it back into architecture hmm. uh, we're working with that uh, on at different levels we are even working together on trying to understand how can i b- make my whole process in hcd the the management people the, the management process the hr process to be guided by the beehive hmm okay and not with a linear so hierarchy inspiration system. from uh, yeah so i i see the need that we need to collaborate with uh, with professions of dif- uh, different uh, levels naturalist a uh, uh, computer artist um we are having parametrics today as a tool for design so somebody who can work with um, computer uh, equations mm. uh, a mathematician mm. you might you might collaborate with uh, prof- different people from different professions and i think that can that can bring in some amazing design solutions okay great so all right so coming to a close uh, what what is the one thing that you feel i should have asked uh, but didn't okay uh, i don't know I, uh, i mean i've i've just been responsive to what <laughs> you've been asking but i think uh, uh, one thing i would tell i would rather uh, close it with this is uh, uh, for all the youngsters who are listening to this uh, never uh, get scared of experimenting hmm Uh, never get scared of uh, moving beyond the boundaries hmm. because only when you move, move beyond the boundaries magic happens okay if you're be- within the boundaries then it's your day to day life hmm. but always stress on going beyond going beyond does not mean that you need, it 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 you need to look at uh, you know economics or whatever but moving even if i'm looking at uh, a plastic cup and say can i use it as a building material hmm. and addressing how do i place it as a building material could be a way uh, you can take your career forward so um, this is the uh, rule i live with uh, for me it's about understanding what are my boundaries uh, of thought hmm. and then consciously stepping out of that boundaries so that the boundary becomes larger okay and every every decision i make the boundaries go a step larger Okay. I would definitely ask everybody to do that and it's an amazing experience. All right. Awesome sir. That's so it was brilliant talking to you on this episode. We have listened to some really fascinating stories, learned a lot 
and we hope to have you in the future as well where we can dwell into different other topics i'm sure you have a lot more to talk about so thank we you. can have this as a series as well definitely definitely any day thank you all right so all thank right you. thanks a lot thank you